WWE Extreme Rules. Oh, I've had to... <laughs> Luckily, I've had a bit of time to compose myself before <laughs> going into this review. Good God. Good God, there's a lot going on. Right. <laughs> so, uh, hello and welcome to uh, Wrestling Headlines Aftershock for WWE Extreme Rules. My name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, live immediately after the show has gone off the air. Extreme Rules, where... All but one match certainly were matches. <laughs> Not necessarily extreme. But boy, am I glad to be a British person watching this on the WWE Network. Not on Peacock, because I'm English. It's like, how was, uh, how was y'all's uh, multilingual voyage? <laughs> For the course of tonight. That's all everyone is on Twitter. It's all the Americans. It's like, like, uh, the uh, pre-show had Spanish over the top of it. And then... <laughs> and then they get up to the live show. He's like, I oh, don't worry, we fixed it, we got to the live show. And then they went back to Twitter. I was like, it's French now. <laughs> just, oh, insane. That, that said, that was like my funny. I thought that would be the funniest thing that I found from the show. Is that the pre show, the commentary was in Spanish, and on the main show, they, it was French on there as well. The massive issues with Peacock again. And I was sitting here all happy with the WWE Network. It still continues to be a great service. So, side cancel. Hello, side cancel. Uh, yes, we are going to start talking about what's just happened in the main event. <laughs> so, uh, so genuinely, I was putting it out on Twitter. Genuinely had me a bit teary-eyed because I was just laughing at the so many questions I had. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I have it in my notes. I was just like, I've got so many questions and things. Just one of what I just want to look back on. <laughs> so much happened in such a short span of time. And there's like, I mean, again, there's the whole the, the whole the way the rest of the match was building was really really good. I was generally really enjoying the match. This was a theme for us tonight actually, where there were a few really good matches with crappy finishers, uh, which again speaks to the level of amazing wrestling and wrestlers there are on that roster, and the level they can go at. And, but then when the creative kicks in, the creative is rubbish. <laughs> it happened across this show. Um, not every single match, but at least three or four. Or, no, three or four of the six. I'd say it's that heavy in the majority. The finishes were just a bit naff. But yeah, then we got to this. <laughs> Whatever this, it just easily capped them all. Because it was easily, for me, the best match. Everything across the board, this was an amazing match. Then the ending. So let's bloody get to the ending. <laughs> so, uh, the... The love it or... I, I, as soon as I saw this, I was like, this will either be love it or hate it. But I wrote that before the rope break. <laughs> and I don't mean that in the conventional sense. So, after after a fantastic spot with uh, Finn on top, the Usos then came out to break a uh, possible win for the ba for the Demon Balor. And they beat up Balor. Balor fights back power, kind of power bombs. One of them through the announce table. He's probably fighting back, screaming. Rain spears him through the barricade. Amazing spot. Because we had that hype of, oh, someone's gone through the announce table. And he's shouting in joy. And then somebody else just charges. <laughs> spears him through the barricade. Awesome spot. Everybody's down. Then the demon's music starts to play. Starting with the pulse that plays at the start of the music. So the boom, boom. Boom, boom, to the heartbeat. And with every beat, Finn is on the ground. <laughs> and for every single time, he kind of spasms a little bit. And he's, he's he kind of like spasms back to life. And the lights stay red. Stay down. My assumption... I don't... I mean, my assumption now is that it was purposefully kind of making it a bit more difficult to see. Taking what they'd learned from the Bay White stuff, where people in tents were complaining they couldn't quite see that, it's like, well, if we purposely don't want them to be able to see perfectly, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but so the, the red lights come down, his, his music continues to play for the entire of this ending sequence, I, I guess until, until Finn crashes, which is just hilarious. <laughs> so he, so the lights are down, his music continues to play. Yes, it goes to the main riff of the song as well. It's not just the demon heartbeat. It keeps on playing all the kind of the ambiance of the theme, like the duh, duh, like the low tone that plays as well. Like no, the, the actual they just played the song with the red lights down. There's a smoke machine that went off during the match, but it never went fully on. It was just like throughout the match, and every now and then, just a cloud of smoke would 
emerge <laughs> from the top right corner of the uh, ring. Uh, but yeah, so this, and it's like, ah, I just assumed it was for part of the entrance. I knew because it, it happened with the Undertaker quite often with his smoke machines, where the arena would just be filled with smoke <laughs> afterwards. And I was just like, oh, maybe it's like something a bit like that, where the smoke from the machine is it's just not finished from his entrance. No, this was a separate smoke thing <laughs> because they had, they had smoke coming out for this bit. So all of that is happening. Also, um, one little note before I get into the bollocks. Brilliant sell from Reigns <laughs> as he sells a running drop kick with a back drop through a table. <laughs> he took the drop kick and he jumps up, falls backwards through the table. <laughs> it's like, amazing sell. <laughs> really applauded that. But Finn then climbs up on the top rope, rolls him back in. He's got all the momentum. The lights are all still down on red. The, the cloud is of, is fogging everywhere. It's making it a little bit difficult to see. And Finn gets on the top rope, he's going to do the coup de gras. he's seemingly, right, I'm just going to balance. Again, my assumption, there was so much cloud in the air, I just assumed, okay, he's just going to set himself for the coup de gras. And in this situation, I'm like, if Jordy Reigns doesn't kick out of this, with the demon with Balor, he's never done anything like this. <laughs> this is completely new. So, as in, in terms of like the psyche of Balor, kicking into the demon is one thing, and maybe this is like the ultimate form i guess <laughs> who knows what the, this is a on the fly idea it's wwe that this hasn't been thought through again with wwe put your brain to your start side to the side stop thinking about it just oh what a moment what a moment <laughs> so he's on the top rope and he's gonna go for the coup de gras and it's quite difficult to see the lights are down everything's black and red the, the smoke is there as well making it even more difficult then the top rope just breaks. As in it's not in one specific area where Finn is standing. It's the entire top rope goes straight down. Uh, Finn crashing hard. There's quite a dangerous spot to do. <laughs> crashing hard, uh, down and hard and then the lights come. Then everything stops. The, the music stops playing and everything. is. If they're playing it up as a complete accident, Obviously, that's lost the moment all audio and visual cues also come to an end with a record scratch. <laughs> it's just like, like, yeah, obviously, it's all tied within one production and you've overproduced it to the point there's no way this is natural. <laughs> yeah, the lights come back up normal, rain spears him, one, two, three. But it was just that it was all of that, a load of things we'd never seen before, <laughs> all clicking in all at once <laughs> it's just like right okay immediately if there's any precedent set for any one of those things <laughs> that we just saw then maybe i've got something to ground myself with and not just float away in laughter which i kind of did <laughs> as i was just thinking about it more and more i was just like what is this again we've never seen demon bella show any sign of this <laughs> it's never done it never for example you can t if, if you knew you were going to do this which i highly expect none of this was thought about before today <laughs> it's, uh, again because there's no sign of foreshadowing and this kind of leap <laughs> given that he never actually did a leap but for everything there was nothing set up as in there's no spot earlier in the show of all oh, top rope thing might be a bit dangerous <laughs> type of thing no foreshadowing which for me if you're doing a spot this wild you can foreshadow it uh, very subtly you can foreshadow it but you don't have to be your blade like like somebody just feels is just tell them to do a double take or as subtle as that just a double take when they're on top rope because something just doesn't feel 100% right something as simple as that <laughs> just to put it in your head of people top rope not 100% comfortable it doesn't it, it will work <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about it too much turn your brain off Matt <laughs> what a moment <laughs> just you know, for people because that's the way you're meant to watch WWE shows just turn your brain off just don't think about it what a moment it doesn't matter it doesn't make any sense just enjoy the moment <laughs> enjoy the moment that happened but yeah so everything was selling you that surely Roman Reigns is done for now, he's kicked into his ultimate form, which is a thing that's never been set up, never seen before, <laughs> completely new. <laughs> you're watching it, getting this whole heap of information, you, as you're trying to figure out what's going on. You see, you, you figure it out, obviously, he's got the music playing, he's doing the pulse of the heartbeat, and the lights are down red, it's like, okay, he's activated into some ultimate form. 
Then he realises music continues to play, that the lights aren't going to come back up. The, f- the smoke is going back. He's like, okay, there's a lot going on. Can't really see what's happening this entire time. <laughs> um, yeah, again, the craziness of that Roman bump. Which <laughs> is just for me, just, oh, I loved it. But it added to the crazy. <laughs> it's such a mental bump <laughs> to jump so high and fall backwards with the chair. And then to cap it all off, it just ends in a complete flat, splat <laughs> just a wet fart of an ending it's <laughs> just uh that Roman Reigns spears him and the demon looks like an idiot it's like, as and afterwards that Reigns is like looking up to God and I'm just like oh, I hope I hope this wasn't a thing where or oh, he's the demon so obviously it was God that did this it's like oh like a freak of nature what happened oh. it's like it's rubbish <laughs> Oh, it's questioning what was happening. Just a bonkers ending. Like, what was all that? <laughs> so much happened. It's such a short space of time that I just need to go back and question. <laughs> the ultimate form thing. Why was his music playing the entire time? The lights stayed down. So why did all the production stop the moment he crashed on the top rope if it was meant to be a freak accident thing? Is that, why did the production record scratch? <laughs> and then as well, why did the top rope all simultaneously snap like that. Is that none of this was set up. There's <laughs> no precedent for, no precedent to be set for you to have any form of grounding for this. It's it's something WWE, WWE ah, I can't say it. It's something WWE have done in the past, where they've got this idea for a finish and they're gonna do it because what a moment. But it doesn't. They haven't set any world where it makes any sense. <laughs> it's just what a moment. And, oh, it's just, and obviously when you're taking flights this high, then it's like, well, obviously you need to somehow ground some of it. <laughs> just, well, it's just a bombardment of what of what's going on, <laughs> just over and over. As commentary is trying to excel it, it's like, oh my god, like what is this? What is this? <laughs> uh, am I the only one that just found the Reigns Bella ending just laughable? It was, it just, I say laugh, because it, it had me genuinely laughing, which it, it takes a lot for WWE to make me laugh on purpose. <laughs> they didn't do it here. It wasn't meant to be, I wasn't meant to be laughing at it. It was just so many things. That was just an incredible level of bonkers. <laughs> just, oh, at least ground or set up some of it. No, all of this is out of nowhere. Everything about it. <laughs> Yeah, the ultimate, the transition into ultimate demon form, the insane back bump, <laughs> the fact that the music started playing when the lights were still down, the ring, the ring rope snapping. None of it was. You weren't prepared for any of it. <laughs> it's just a bombardment of nonsense. <laughs> uh, it's an ending to a pay per view. I will genuinely remember for a while. Well done, WWE. You created a moment that I will remember. But it's, I'm not remembering it for good reasons. <laughs> it's mental. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that was the main event. A genuinely really strong match. And I've got a load of notes written for the rest of the match. But all I, I, can, just, I can say, the rest of it was really good. I was, I was really into it, even when the, it gets to that point. I think for me, it's right when Reigns spears Balor through the barricade from the start of the match to there. Brilliant, fantastic, really enjoyed it. Well, even it's a, it's a WWE, it's version of WWE style, which is totally for me. I really got into it, but the ending was bollocks. <laughs> Just a load of bollocks, bombardment of bollocks. There we go. I found my alliteration <laughs> review kind of uh, thing for it. Uh, yeah, the main event, a bombardment of bollocks. Yeah. And the number of times that Rage pulled up Bella's shorts are a bombardment of Bella bollocks. <laughs> it was a lot. Oh dear. Oh dear. Anyway, did I see Bray ch- the Bray trolling tweet? I did see the Bray trolling tweet. Uh, where the, um, it was during the Usos match. U- Usos. God, I won't post that. It was during the Usos match. Uh, he tweeted out the uh, cage match with uh, when it was Usos and Daniel Bryan versus the Wyatt family. And he tweeted that out. Tweeted it out. Sorry, he put it on Instagram. And uh, it was during the Usos match. I don't know if it's just a, an acknowledgement of the Usos, or because this past week, Bray Wyatt has just social media wise just woken up, 
to which obviously some people read that as always oh, going to show up at Extreme Rules, isn't he? He's like, he's not giving anything away, and if anything, they're not very pro WWE tweets. <laughs> he's putting out there um, with the topic as well with uh, Seth Rollins being on uh, Stone Cold's uh, podcast on the WWE Network and talking about the Hell in a Cell match from around this time two years ago, which was like the first time I'd put effort into, I guess, the streaming side. I don't think I was doing video yet. I can't remember. I don't think I was doing... What was that? I don't think so. I think I was just doing audio, and I started putting in effort for this YouTube side for the first time. Just a picture back then for me. Uh, But yeah. To to think... I think I didn't do any video back then. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I did see it. I've got to talk about the rest of the show. Because <laughs> we're... Uh, yeah, it's get, it's like 25 past 4. I went live a little bit late after the, the show finished a lot closer to 4 than I was expecting. <laughs> really. But wow. What an ending. Wow. What do I even... <laughs> what do you even... Aside from just go through it and raising the questions, I'm like, what do I even say to that? Like, I, like they... The, the, the spots didn't go badly. Again, the Roman bump with the table was amazing. An amazing oversell. I love it. <laughs> I love me some oversells. And taking a running drop kick in the form of launching yourself into a backdrop through a table. Amazing. I love it. But the ending. What was that? <laughs> Just so, uh, yeah, so much, so much. Yeah, yeah. Just one phase to take away from this review. It was the ending was a bombardment of Bala bollocks. It's <laughs> Just, and I can't say that five times quick. <sighs> Anyway, rest of the show. <laughs> we're going to talk about the rest of the show. Because that was a in- mental main event. And I don't mean that in a good way. I'm, I, I just mean that in a... That was bonkers. What What were you thinking? <laughs> kind of way. Uh, the rest of the main event, though, was solid. Genuinely really enjoyed it. And that's why this show, overall, is really difficult to review. Because the, the match before that in Becky Lynch defending against Bianca Belair, I also... Really enjoyed it, and then hated the ending. And uh, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, I think was the same. At least that finished... That was a match that finished in the ring relatively normally. (laughs) There was no outside stuff. I thought it was a bit of a weak ending. It wasn't anything crazy. And uh, the US title match ending in a roll-up. It was a hot finish. You can do that exact finish, just... Let Damien Priest hit his finisher. <laughs> Put him over stronger. Don't, why, aren't you, why, are you putting, why aren't you letting him score his finisher? Probably so. The feud can go on. Because it's WWE. Feuds must last forever. Especially if you're in the mid-card. And the, Uso, the Usos was a, just a really strong... Actually, the first two matches were just strong tag matches. The singles matches after that... There was always something with the finishers. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got a complaint with all of the finishers. It just got more bonkers as the night went on. I like... I liked the finishes less and less with every progressive match, and I enjoyed the bulk of the match more and more. This makes this show really difficult to review. <laughs> there certainly were moments, and that's kind of like the in terms of the WWE, WWE continuously rolling machine or operating machine. That's their key thing they're going for. They want to generate those moments. They did it so. Congrats. You've got your moments. You've got Sasha Banks returning. You've got whatever that ending was. It's it's a moment that everybody will be talking about. And that's... They've got us... Well done, you got your engagement. But we're laughing at you. Again. <laughs> WWE. Again. Uh, I swear this is like a regular October September occurrence. Where this, something happens in September. I don't know what it is. Something gets in the WWE waters. And the booking just becomes... Just out there and weird. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Don't know what it is. Uh, anyway, rest of the show. I feel like I need to give it some form of overall review. But that's why it's quite difficult. I enjoyed the bulk of the matches on this show. I disliked most of the endings. I guess that'll do for my review. <laughs> what, like, what star do I give that? I don't know, three? Do we give it a three? When I really enjoyed the matches, but hated most of the, most of the finishes, like the majority of them. It's a weird one. It's a really weird one. Anyway, so I'm going to go through the card in order now from Bobby Lee Lash's uh, The Six Man Tag all the way down to the Women's Smackdown Championship match. So, Bobby Lee Lash's AJ Styles and Omos versus The New Day with their WWE champion Big E. A uh, last-minute six-man 
Fun, and I've just realised as well, I have actually got... But of course, this match wasn't added, just remembered. <laughs> I was like, I've got images I can flip between. Just remembered, this match was added so last minute, I don't have the graphic for it. <laughs> so there is that. Anyway, so, last minute, six-man fun, added to the kickoff. I feel, it feels odd that I'm typing that about the Raw main event scene. Like The six-man tags are a kind of match that are normally a blast of fun in WWE, and this was no different. Chaos escalating as they build to Big E versus Lashley. It just felt like a Monday Night Raw match moved to the pay-per-view, and then they're doing a bigger match on Raw. They use this pay-per-view to kind of hype up Raw and try and get that figure. Evidence of effort. And at like there's a big argument with the uh, currently going on of why suddenly out of nowhere is this massive push for Monday Night Raw in terms of trying to give big matches every single week. It's NFL season. It happens every year. Normally around here, they start throwing crap at the wall. Uh, this year, they've really, like every year, the idea is to put on a really big match and to sell you that. And that could be like the big hook for every show. However, I personally don't, care why the ev- the effort is suddenly being put in and you can, can have your different views why or if it's cynical or not it's not cynical but <laughs> whatever your views are for why this is happening where there's a sudden reason for evidence of effort but after the kind of raw that i have been reviewing for wrestling headlines honestly why would i care that why would i complain that ev- ev- that effort has slowly been put in like seriously compared to what we were getting like, this is always the preferred way. And like, I don't care why the effort's being put in. The effort is being put in. The shows are watchable. <laughs> the, the big matches they are hyping are genuinely, the past couple of weeks, they've been really strong. They've been great. So why would I complain about the shows suddenly getting better? <laughs> so yeah, whatever the reason is, cool, it's happening. I, I don't really care why. <laughs> the shows are good. So that's, yeah. Anyway, so this was... Uh, it was hyping up the Raw main event. I would, I would say it is weird because in the in like in the studio, like WWE's peak, they would do stuff like this where you'd get a big heated feud would happen backstage, and then you get it added to the pay per view card, but not main event stuff. That's where this this is why this feels a bit more different, a bit weird. I feel like I can hmm a little bit. Is that like you could have set this up on Raw, but things just aren't thought ahead. There's so much booking in the moment that so much. There is no foreshadowing for so much of WWE right now. And even the main ongoing feuds, they're still booked week to week. If not, as in they have like a, they know what they're aiming for at the end of the month, but they haven't made any like strong booking decisions in terms of like what's next and all of that. Like, I I genuinely <laughs> I don't to say it at half past one morning. I genuinely just don't understand why you just can't decide on something and then foreshadow it and just let us kind of you can already start building to the next thing so it feels like a really natural progression compared to the way they actually do it where it's like it's even though they have like an end goal it's still week by week to get there they don't know the beats before they've happened and once we get to that location they don't know what the next thing is either uh, and it and it shows <laughs> it shows Hence why suddenly your main event scene like Raw gets the treatment the lower mid-card did in the Attitude Era. It's just a comparison I feel like it's kind of worth making. Even though this opener was great. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it genuinely really did. Given 20 minutes to properly simmer and boil over. Highlights to the uh, AJ and Big E section as well. Teasing me for a tasty, tasty title feud down the line. And... The phenomenal one costing dissension as he tags himself into forearm E in the running heel momentum towards the end of the match. So Bobby, in anger, just tagged himself back in, resulting in him accidentally spearing his partner inside out. Big E hoisting the former champion up and down with the big ending. Really fun opening match. Yeah, it was a raw tag on the pay-per-view. But it was, for me, it was elevated by being allowed to breathe, which it wouldn't have been on Raw. On Raw... It's getting five or ten minutes cut off of this. So if things roll ahead a lot quicker, there's not as much time to breathe for each beat to feel that, uh, that more natural. Uh, this match really benefited from that. A really fun opening match. Uh, also, later in the show, Bobbly Lashes called Big E a chicken shit. So, oh, 
oh, he said the naughty word. Oh, <laughs> and uh, immediately, yes, I'm all in for that, especially if it's on pay-per-view or networks and things and you haven't got to adhere to the TV stuff. Use that to your advantage. You may not be able to swear whilst on USA to that level that consistently, but you can do it on the network. It's a, it's a major advantage that AW has. They went a little bit crazy <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. It was a little bit much where almost every single segment somebody said shit. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that you can say it, it means that you feel like the insults could go somewhere or all the heels could dance the line type of stuff. Compared to in WWE where you mostly know it's not going to go ahead of, uh, over a certain line. so the And you can feel it in the promos. You can feel, them, feel it, unfortunately. Uh, but yes, um, the WWE way of just demanding a title shot rather than naturally leading someone to number one contendership. Uh, also, Bobby Lashley lost here to Big E. But it's the way you do it. You just demand a title shot and there you go. Uh, but yeah, again... The pu- but the, compared to what we were getting, I'm not really complaining. Because the, the push of Raw, having actual evidence of eff- effort continues, I'm not going to complain that that's rolling on. <laughs> Even though, it's still, just don't think about it, just enjoy it, just go, oh, what a moment that'll be. Just, just don't think about the fact that Lashley's been losing a, a fair bit, so why would he be, he wouldn't be in any logical line to get a said title shot <laughs> right now. Since losing the title, he's just kept losing. So, uh, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in WWE. If you're in the feud, you just ask for a title shot. That's how it works. Just don't think about it. Just enjoy it. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to say that a few times for this. Because, again, the matches themselves were great. The end, the booking of the endings was just off for a lot of the stuff. Not with this next match, though. The first two matches, both tags, I thought were solid from start to finish. Did their roles absolutely perfectly. Uh, next up was the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. The Usos versus the Street Profits, a really fun follow-up to the tag title match. Montez bandaged up after suffering table tash at the hands of Roman Reigns, feeling those ribs as the champions target the clear weak point of the Street Profits. A dickhead move from the crowd chanting, we want tables, which wouldn't get, they would not get their tables until the main event, because that was the Extreme Rules match, and it was hyped, it was promoted, they went through the card on the show. This is the Extreme Rules match. But for the standard match, from this match on, they chanted, we want tables. <laughs> and I'm just going like, you know what? To be fair, they bought tickets to an Extreme Rules pay-per-view and they're chanting that they want tables. They probably expected tables because it's an Extreme Rules pay-per-view. But only the main event was Extreme Rules. <laughs> so maybe they told their friends, oh, there'd be loads of stuff. Yeah, there'd be loads of table spots. Extreme Rules, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. Just, just the one match was, and he started chanting it at matches that weren't Extreme Rules matches. <laughs> so the wrestlers can't improvise or do anything to, oh, why not just do a table spot just to appease them? Like, ah, can't even do that. Because it's a standard match <laughs> all the way through to the main event. Uh, anyway, poor, poor performance. The matches were solid anyway. Knees up on the, the incredible Ford Frog Splash, damaging those ribs even further. A second top rope jump off uh, was cut as Ford landed on the turnbuckle into a false fall that 100% had me. Crazy Montez also swinging the tide with a damn impressive dive. I've only just remembered I can switch my image. Oh, look at that fancy. Look at that fancy guy. So fancy. But yeah. Yeah, the, yeah the, the Crazy Montez also swinging the tide with a damn impressive dive over the turnbuckle onto all of the lads on the outside. So many near falls for the man. The ribs too hurt to follow up on the frog splash. Uh, the roll-up's never close enough to secure it. And you could see Ford degrading as it went on. The Usos getting back in. In the end, the Usos broke down the injured man, super kicking and double splashing to retention. A solid match with a solid flow of momentum. And in the end, the rib damage that Reigns caused on SmackDown was enough to end the match. It's like, oh, there's something more to this match. There's something set up to it. It's like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, a strong, a strong match this, and it flowed off of SmackDown, SmackDown really well. It's this little thing of, when you know you're going to do something, you can set it up. Even if it's the week of the pay-per-view decide to do it, because that's not really long-term knowing where you're going with something. But they had the foresight to have Ford main event against Roman Reigns, to have Reigns cause the injury, and for that to be the reason that they lost the match, because they had a fantastic flow of momentum 
but because of those ribs, he just could, he just could not capitalise. So yeah, a really strong tag match. Jeff really enjoyed it. So yeah, the first two matches were great, and I have zero qualms with the actual matches themselves. Uh, the uh, even fewer with the Uso Street Profits. It was just solid. Everything about it, <laughs> like no complaints with it. Really, really good stuff. And then we get to the rest of the show. So the next three matches were. For me, I enjoyed the bulk of the matches for all of them and disliked every finish. I would say the US title is probably the one I have the least gripes with, but both the women's matches had a just a thing happen at the end. The, the raw, this Raw match was nowhere near as bad as the, as the SmackDown one. But so anyway, so we got the Raw Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss, as I say her name, Alexa. Uh, first off, giant AR Lily. Ah, <laughs> what is this? Uh, man, the AR entrances, and I really felt it on the show. Those AR entrance graphics continue to look like shite. <laughs> They've not looked good since day one. Personally, for me, the best usage of them has been when they show the uh, the cards. So for the next matchup, so it's like a AR graphic card of sorts. But the best they've done personally for me was at SummerSlam where they AR graphics Titantrons or little additions to the kind of Titantron over the ring or the Titantron over the entrance ramp because there was no Titantron there given that it was a baseball field. It's like, yeah, they for me were great. Way more natural integrations. The big graphics over the people making their entrance, like the Usos one was awful. It's got the rings there and uh, they're, they're across the ramp and then they kind of walk forward. The thing for me as well is... They won't look as bad if you turn them off at the right time. And they never did. Because the issue is they, they, the way they're presented in a certain way to get the, cert the correct angles to look a certain, in a certain manner from a certain angle to give a certain perspective. Especially the rings for the Usos where they're looking down the ramp. It's got the rings going down the ramp uh, and it's all part of their logo. And you realise like it's kind of like three-dimensional or 4D <laughs> with the, all the rings there. But then the Usos come out and the camera pans back but the image will stay there. It will stay with the camera. So suddenly you lose... Because the, the camera is angled at a specific place to get that right perspective for the AR. Once you move that camera, everything is off. <laughs> it happened with Lily. It happened with the Usos one. The Roman Reigns one is just like a normal pan that they do. So it's not that big a deal. But when it's got the lines there as well, when he walks out, the lines will look rubbish. It's the case... It happened for so many AR entrances throughout this show. They just left the graphics on when they should have done a camera cut. They do so many camera cuts. Why not do it here? <laughs> the Usos, when they start walking down the ramp, you do a camera cut. You turn that off. Because when they start walking down, that AR is going to stay on the screen. And now the, the camera is like further down the ramp. It's pointed, it's at, pointed at a different angle. The perspective of the AR no, no longer matches the perspective of the camera. So it's all off. It's like you just got a load of shit just in front, just splashed all over your screen, covering up what I'm trying to see. <laughs> it's no longer naturally there. It's like you just painted crap all over my screen. I'm trying to watch something, uh, and it happened too many times. So, but the point was for Lily as well. They had giant Lily where they suddenly panned up the giant Lily. He's like, oh, that's, that was freaky enough, but it was all kind of orchestrated. Then they had Lily kind of floating above the crowd, and when Alexa was kind of standing on the the entranceway that again looked relatively fine perspective wise but then Alexa walked down the ramp they I think they even cut and came back to the same camera and the Lily was still floating there but because Lily had walked because uh, sorry Alexa had walked down the ramp that meant that Lily was still in the same place on the camera but now no longer like she, she, it looked like a weird sticker because it's on front of the screen as well that's when Alexa walks past she walks behind the thing, which was meant, which AR perspective-wise was telling me it was behind, but now we know the entire time it was in front of, because Alexa walked behind it. <laughs> Even though perspective was telling us it was meant to be up in the crowd, or above the crowd, or whatever. Yeah, just do a camera cut and turn the AR off when you get to a certain point where the perspective will look wrong. You don't have to keep it on. I, don't know. I think... Again, I'm not American, so I don't watch the NFL, but I have seen things like the Jaguars, or it was it was one of the places that has a four-legged animal, and they had it, it might be in the Panthers, where they had it kind of jumping about the place, and it was all augmented reality. We, there's no need, we don't do that. Current, it's currently in the bucket of, 
incredibly unnecessary. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't add anything to the match. For, so I don't know. I think I'm assuming it's come from that kind of world where they see it elsewhere. And go, oh, we need to do that as well. That's what the cool places are doing. So yeah, but do you though? <laughs> but again, I've said. It's not thing equals bad, it's thing is being done and used badly, which is quite often the case. For, I do that most often with WWE booking. It's not thing equals bad, it's just that you're seeing bad examples of it. So, the, uh, the yeah, the main thing here with the AR, there are so many bad examples, where, and there are so many across this show. <laughs> just cut at the right time with these ones, and you won't get weird flo floating incorrect perspectives. Uh, yeah, it happened a lot. It happened a lot. Anyway, the match. There was a match here. The match itself. A quick pace as Alexa shows Charlotte she can still go like a champion. A few nice spots too, like Flair hitting Andrade double moonsault spot. A bliss with a nice counter to the natural selection by just rolling through. Uh, the Code Red also looking amazing. Like These two were damn on point in this match. Charlotte grabbing the doll to throw it at Bliss in the end in a, in a disguise of a big boot. Uh, and that was enough to swing into the ending, immediately following up with the natural selection. Bit of a bollocks finish to a really strong match. Uh, again, opening sequence was really quick. You got Alexa showing what she brings to the table. And then they started hitting those bigger spots and just they were all ne absolutely nailed. As in, you could tell just everything was on point with them. They were, they were gelling together really, really well. But then it was just... Uh, uh, after the match, Charlotte ripping apart the doll to crowd of booze, ripping the arm off, ripping it in half. Uh, spill, and that spills into a draw, a draw, a brawl, as Alexa jumps the lass and our table-thirsty crowd chanted for those ruddy tables again. <laughs> they did it again. Uh, they see a beatdown and extreme rules. They want a table spot. Uh, Alexa pulling her own hair out, or just kind of, kind of pulling on it, uh, crying at the ripped-up doll as the crowd chanted, Thank you, Lily. This went on for about four minutes. The tablet and, and, and the court part, and I did notice it whilst it's live, but I kind of got, I got my vindication thanks to uh, Sean Ross Sapp tweeting out the picture where Alexa was doing her scream. You saw the tablet in her mouth where she was meant to be foaming. So the, the, the tablet, meant to dissolve, create kind of a foaming kind of feel. And it just didn't dissolve, so the tablet was still there. But she's kind of screaming, she's going on for ages. It's like, this whole bit is dragging for a very long time. <laughs> this whole Alexa screaming thing. And like I'm like, oh my God, Alexa is so much more talented than this crap. And I kind of just looked at the time and was like, has this been going on for like four minutes? <laughs> That's mental. And I don't mean the aftermatch. I mean just the Alexa bit where she starts screaming at Lily being gone and then walks up the ramp and is kneeling on the ramp. The tablet just isn't dissolving. So she tries to foam herself or is foamed a little bit. So it's more like a weird drool effect with maybe with little bubbles, but she's meant to be like properly foaming. Um, it wasn't a good spot even with the foam. <laughs> I was going to say, the foam doesn't save this. <laughs> Maybe the segment is slightly shorter, as they feel like, right, we've got the foam bit, we can cut now. But the foam, just, the tablet just didn't work for whatever reason. Which obviously, production-wise, sucks. But doesn't make it a like a thing that would save the idea. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Oh, and Bliss was in her hometown, so of course she wasn't winning. <laughs> of course not. Uh, it's a WWE thing. It... Baby faces do not win in their hometown. It just doesn't happen. And it's just every single time, gotta get that heat, brother. Uh, but it's never used to then set up. Uh, it's something I don't quite understand. Because the, I'm assuming the idea is that when they then go back to that hometown, you'd want the baby face to get the win. But the hometown is going to be so long since then that you've moved on storyline wise that there's going to be no repercussion, there's going to be no answer. Was I like, oh, the last time in my hometown, you did this to me, and now I'm going to get my revenge. That doesn't happen. <laughs> so you're not even building or setting up to anything. You're just getting those boos. As in, as in if you do the but defeat them in the hometown thing, it's so that they can then get their comeuppance in the hometown. But the, that in the hometown bit will never happen. <laughs> it just keep losing the hometown. Ah. Oh. Anyway, my, yes, this show should have been called Extreme Enforcement of the Rules, <laughs> which it was. <laughs> across the, I would say, across the board, none of these finishers made me 
go maybe question what the rules are. So I can't in terms of to give this show a number out of five or something. I can't give it too low because it just it wasn't that bad. But there have been shows like that where I'm just questioning the rules of their own universe because they have broken them, and quite often around draft time. And when WWE is in a state like they are, where they are in major hot-shotting mode, which brings exciting television. <laughs> so it's 100% better than we had, what we had been getting. So it brings exciting television, the hot-shot mode. But they, for me, are very clearly making on-the-cuff decisions without thinking too far ahead. The last time this happened, in uh, 2019, where they did quite a lot of like very short-term thinking, and they had the draft happening in this period of hot-shotting and throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what would stick. Um, in 2019, they had the draft. But because they didn't have any long-term ideas, as in this draft wasn't done with, like, this person goes here because we're going to be doing this and that, they generally didn't know what they were going to be doing because they, they were just booking week to week just like they are now. And that's where I've got my little fear <laughs> in terms of the draft. The things being dealt to for me, the big one, is Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. They keep subtly building to that. That can be your either big WrestleMania match or you can even hold it to around the start of that season. It's a big feud. They've been holding it off really well and also building to it really well. I don't know what it is on more. It's just stuff happening, <laughs> I guess. Uh, maybe the Biggie versus someone. I don't know, Goldberg. <laughs> it's not been built up at all. Uh, anyway, my point being... Uh, yeah, the rules were enforced. Uh, nothing on the death of Daryl in New Japan. Ah, uh, yes, because they actually again that was actually just a, a guy enjoying his toy cat, and his toy cat got really over with the crowd. It's bloody expensive. <laughs> by online, and then Farle because because he might hear moves on commentary for FEG one match or for a lot of them, and then bad luck Farley just came out and ripped up the <laughs> Daryl. So oh, that was great. That was great. Daryl isn't actually. Like sentient, <laughs> he's not actually sentient, which is the difference with Lily. Lily, we have been shown to be alive and sentient to some capacity, which makes this ending weird. So the the doll gets ripped up. The crowd are chanting, "Thank you, Lily." Semi, I it feels like it's a weird semi ironic thing. You get this quite often with WWE crowds, where it's re it's quite difficult to tell if they're generally into something. Or it's a, this is a kind of twist on a chant we do. Because that's my, like one of my big peeves with WWE crowds right now is, thing happens, that means we chant this specific chant. You very rarely, and I don't think it happened on this show, you very rarely get chants for the wrestlers themselves. Uh, you probably do at home shows where, where it's uh, on tour and stuff where the focus will be a lot more on the match itself rather than storyline stuff. But on pay-per-views and TV, especially on this pay-per-view, stipulations, tables, tables were more over than the wrestlers themselves. But still, when the wrestlers did, sorry, the characters themselves, I switched that around, because when the wrestling was happening, whether they were getting reactions, they were putting on great matches, they were genuine chants of this is awesome. They were also like on the beat chants of this is awesome, as it's like, ah, that didn't feel learned, it just felt like this is a break in the action after a nice bit. So the chant happens, but like the both like the last two matches, the this is awesome chant was genuinely earned, and but you, but you don't hear them chanting for the wrestlers during those bits. The closest we get is like the start of a match, uh, especially for Bianca versus Becky, where they're chanting "Let's go Becky, let's go Bianca." So you got this joining chance at the start, but then you get we want tables and stuff, and that takes over. <laughs> so. It's like chanting for things because that's what we do rather than being genuinely invested in what's in front of them, which is a worry. Once the matches go on and they get further into the match, they get pulled into the match because the wrestlers are fantastic. Uh, but the, the characters aren't done well. So why would they latch onto the characters? <laughs> do, do we don't know how to write storytelling. They don't know how to do storytelling. So, or build, or build characters, build a consistent world. They don't know any of this stuff, or they've forgotten it, or it just doesn't happen and dropped by the wayside for whatever reason. So it's no wonder the crowd isn't into the characters and the beats of what's happening in front of them, because it feels like it doesn't matter. Bobby Lashley can lose this match and immediately challenge the champion. doesn't matter. It does not matter. <laughs> so, uh, so when things don't matter, they also lose consequence. 
so losses don't really mean anything, even on a pay-per-view. Like, you can expect the next thing to happen. That's yeah, a bit of a shame. Anyway, United States Championship. Let's move on to that. Yeah, Damien Priest versus Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. Oh, I was just thinking with Lily, with the doll. <laughs> it did cross my mind. If it is a meant to be, like, an entity of sorts, why is she so sad, of the phys- sad about the physical doll being broken when it could inherit anything? I don't know. If it felt like it clashed with earlier stuff we've been told, but maybe that's also throwing stuff at the war period. So maybe everything that was said didn't need to be listened to <laughs> super keenly. Ah, that's, that's the thing I learned with the with the fiend law, the complex fiend law. The reason it got complex really was just because they didn't know what they wanted with any of it. So you'd get contradicting stuff. And if one week they'd say something, then they'd just drop it, and it didn't really. Is that, uh, but when you're meant to be building, when you're trying to build a character where what he says has meaning, the worst thing you can do is have him constantly contradict <laughs> or have either of them do it. So, yeah. Anyway, let's so move on to the United States Championship. Damian Priest versus Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. A damn fun multi-man chaos time. Uh, Brogue knee right out of the gate to set the scene. A, uh, a tad of the two lads at a time cycle, which is one of my least favourite rhythms of a uh, triple threat match. But each pairing was solid, and it eventually broke down into quicker swings in and out of the wash. So I can't complain too much. It was a better example of the format of a triple threat I'm not particularly keen on. Uh, so ease positives. <laughs> uh, Damien falling off the apron flat onto his back earlier in the match before falling together with Jeff in the attempted reckoning into a twist of fate reversal. Uh, Seamus as well, hilarious in his hardy mocking, just on top of the <laughs> top, top right before doing a jumping knee. He, he, he did it brilliantly. It was amazing. Had an absolute crack. <laughs> did I, Seamus? Seemed to really enjoy himself out there. He he was the like anchor for this match. He was easily the best part about it. He, on the form of his life, still, just really, really strong stuff from him. Uh, Jeff himself then with an amazingly timed swanton pin breakup following Priest choke slamming the Irishman off the top. Uh, the brogue knee continues to be a brilliant little touch to Seamus' arsenal as the crowd, crowd buys the hell out of that near fall every single time. This time uh, Priest go for the disaster kick and as he kind of jumps around to do the kick just knee to face looked amazing. Uh, Priest then winning with a roll up within the final stretch chaos. And my only gripe for this match is that it finished in a roll-up where I don't quite know why you're not having Priest just win by hitting the reckoning. As in, do everything exactly the same, but instead of a roll-up, he grabs from behind and hits the reckoning. Because the guy's kind of facing upwards anyway whilst in the reckoning, so he can easily do it. Uh, then he hits his finisher and win. It just it puts him over stronger rather than he won by a roll-up. So Seamus more like, oh, I got caught, rather than being hit by a finisher. My assumption is so that the match, the feud side can continue. So it just rolls on. That's my assumption. Uh, but yeah, again, the match was fun. I wouldn't give it like anything off the scale, but it was a fun match. Uh, again, my, my personal favourite way for a triple threat is to have every person in there, or at least in there for the majority, like affecting the way that moves are happening and just causing that little bit of chaos. Whilst this more was two people in the ring and then one would fall, someone else comes in. Uh, just rinse and repeat, cycle them round. But the pairings are so strong, and, and those rotations started happening quicker and quicker. So it was still a really fun match. Anyway, the final match to talk about of the night. Another one with a, uh, uh, a an ending I didn't like. But it sets up something that I really like. So I'm... Uh, again, it's WWE. It's, they're hyping up something great. The triple threat between Lynch, Belair and Sasha Banks sounds amazing. On on paper, that's an amazing three-way feud. Really, really strong feud for the women's uh, title over there. However, the way they've done it with the no DQ, I think, is crap. <laughs> it's, it's the WWE thing where they've created a moment, the moment of Sasha Banks returning and, doing, and attacking that. That's all that's meant to happen. However, if you're going to do that, don't get us invested with an over 20 minute match. Like if you want to give us some form of match, you can still do stuff, but to say that you've built up really well to an f- amazing final spot, then you do it. It's like, uh, you've got us invested at that point. 
<laughs> that's that's not us booing Sasha for breaking up an amazing match and kind of not giving us that ending that we felt like we wanted. When we don't get angry at Sasha Banks for that, we just get disheartened with the company. <laughs> you had us invested for such a long period of time, and just well, what's going to happen in this finish? Are they actually are they going to have Becky kind of? You did know what's going to happen essentially, but then you just don't get an answer. And in the triple threat, somebody's going to take the pin. It might be Sasha just getting pinned by Becky so that they don't have to have Bianca be pinned. It's a classic WWE kind of issue that they put in where they want, they want to have this big match. They put it on, but they've not thought, oh, crap, we're going to have to pin one of them. And they ignore it for a little bit. They get to the show itself of, well, how are we going to get out of this corner? <laughs> what are we going to dig ourselves out of this ditch with? And then, yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. Hind- it's, and then they'll hindsight book it to try and make it make sense. And then we're sat here, it was like, oh, just let it play out. Trust us, maybe, maybe, instead of complaining, to see that it could go somewhere. It's like, well, the likelihood is, as I, because it's WWE, when a thing happens on the show, I have been taught that they do not plan ahead. They don't do long-term storytelling. So my expectation, because I've been conditioned to do so by watching the show, <laughs> is that when something happens, it's very much for the moment in the moment, and what comes next won't make any sense, but then they'll hindsight book it into hopefully making a, a fair bit of sense for the next pay-per-view. And that happens routinely <laughs> across the board. This feels like that next thing, where they've created an amazing moment, but they also they didn't know what to do with the Bianca Becky, and this was their fix for that. And then they created something great in a triple threat, uh, but I don't even know if they know what they're going to do at the triple threat. <laughs> or these next couple of weeks will be a bit weird, but then it'll they'll hindsight book it into making it sense for the next pay view. Of course, the other twist is the next pay view is Crown Jewel, where I have no idea what the next kind of push if for women's wrestling is that they're going to do because it's been uh, pretty standard singles matches. There's talk about doing a Queen of the Ring tournament, which I guess you could do that a little side thing. That's that's my main issue. I think I was saying this on the Raw review with uh, Rance Morris on the Tuesday, where I was just saying that my main, in terms of, because I don't watch the shows now, especially, uh, both for both moral and, because the shows are crap, <laughs> and they're not aimed at me, I'm not the demographic, uh, so surprise, surprise, I don't enjoy the, the Saudi Arabia shows, but I, because I did give them a go initially, and I was like, I'm clearly not the demographic for this, I'm not enjoying them, and morally it's questionable anyway, so I'm already on the fence, so yeah, so don't watch them anymore. But the main issue in terms of the way that they're integrated into the show themselves, because they try to give that importance to the shows, they have them on. They kind of the matches are built up on the TV shows themselves. It's not just like a tour like it is we've just seen in the UK. It's a properly built thing. But <laughs> but the way it happens is they kind of just create this temporary bubble where this all the storylines that were going on just stop and they have these u- kind of unique stories being built for Crown Jewel. Then once Crown Jewel is finished, it's back to your regularly scheduled programming. A tournament works so much better for this because it automatically creates that bubble without it seeming unnatural. So doing a Queen of the Ring tournament, yeah, it's great. Obviously, I don't know what's going to happen with this triple threat, but it probably gives it time to breathe, which is never not a good thing. Unless it stalls and goes nowhere for a while, <laughs> then, uh, fine. Uh, you know what? Currently, that's fine with me. I don't have the time to watch SmackDown. I'm covering the G1 Climax, and I'm not, not watching Rampage. That's already my block on a Saturday full. <laughs> I don't have time for SmackDown. So if I, if I can write something up, it's fine. Anyway, talk about this match. So this was Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. And uh, in the match itself, after the cheeky little tease of this being another quick and done, we get our first return match for Becky Lynch for proper until the ending. We've got 20 minutes. For me, that even if the ending's crap, they still had a 20-minute match. That's, that's great. Hey, holding off, having the last wrestle, really did help make this match feel like a bigger deal. So, applause there. Uh, Belair is so quick and smooth in her strength. It is insane. Like, an incredible talent to watch. Just with ease, just switching into a German, the, or the fallout, uh, fall away slam. Just all looked perfect. All amazing. Uh, Becky continuously going to try and use uh, Bianca's ponytail to her advantage. Uh, but the challenger's strength overpowered her. Back in over and over. 
uh, an applause-worthy display of power. So many crazy strength spots. <laughs> just, yeah. Bianca looks like a beast in this match. <laughs> Becky did an amazing job. A damn fast back-and-forth final sequence with failed roll-ups and finishes. An incredible final spot as Bianca stands up out of the disarm her and setting up for the slam as I suddenly remember I've been on that picture for a very long time. Oh, there's the one. <laughs> there we go. I will eventually bloody remember to do it. Okay, so anyway, in the disarmor, then stands up with Becky still applying the disarmor on her shoulder then kind of starts to lower her into the slam. But Sasha Banks runs in and causes the DQ. My immediate reaction, ugh. Because <laughs> they were they built so well to that final spot, and then it's like, okay, this is the point where we get a great answer to this really strong match. Does Bianca now defeat Becky? And the story seems to be that they want you to believe that she probably would have if it were not for the interference. But it's the get the heel their heat by having them retain via uh, shady means. Uh, yeah, WWE booking striking again as a great match becomes aligned with a negative qualifier in the pay-per-view no-finish. Like, WWE just demands you turn your brain off and try to enjoy the, like, the wrestling and the moments. Like, cheer for, yay, the things. Um, that's why I'm conflicted on this match. Like, Becky, Sasha and Bianca in a triple threat sounds great. It was just a pretty crap way to swing towards it. You can swing, like, after the match, it's fine. But... To make in their eyes to make the feud continue, you'd have to not give us the winner. You need to hold that off. As in, we as fans want to see what it would have been like, like what would actually happen. For me, the only problem is it they did this finish with a just with a just over twenty minute match. The level of invested you become when a match reaches that length of time, you don't do this finish. <laughs> if you're going to rob us, you don't rob us of. Yeah, on a pay per view scale as well. You don't rob us off. Do they hit their finisher? You rob us off. You rob us off the entire final sequence, especially as that lift up out of the disarmor was so good. <laughs> also, what's the logic in Sasha Banks? As in, it was the moment to then set it. Oh, because he attacked Becky as well, attacking both of them, setting that up that she's now in this uh, title contending feud. But what's the logic there? As in, why did she have to attack during the match? It doesn't quite make sense to me. Uh, yeah. But again, it's another really strong match with another crap finish. <laughs> just sucked the life out. Uh, the uh, the Flair Bliss one I thought was just weird. It's a shame the United States one was a roll-up after a really strong match. I don't get why you're not putting him over stronger. This one here was uh, just it's like, oh, you robbed us of a finish. And it's not, again, you've not robbed us of a final sequence, of a final stretch. You've robbed us of just the final move and the pin. Which, and you, if you're going to do that, don't do it after an over 20 minute match. <laughs> it's my point. The fans are too invested for them to not be pissed off. But they're not pissed off at Sasha. It's at the WWE for, uh, for doing that. Anyway, but worst of them all, easily the main event finish. Roman Reigns, Demon Balor. What the hell was that? <laughs> Genuinely, I had to, as I was getting my uh, stuff ready, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to sort myself out because I was, I was laughing way too much. Genuinely teary-eyed because that was bollocks. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, it was certainly a pay-per-view to remember. I don't mean that in a positive way. Uh, but again, that's why I'm, I'm really torn. The match quality was high. I generally really, I think I enjoyed the matches themselves for every single match on this card. Really delivered. But the finishers just, once the creative kicks in, it's like, it's, what is this? <laughs> what is this here? Oh, the main event, the most questionable. Just because it was such a bomb, again, a bombardment of baller bollocks. Just, what is this? What is this here? Oh dear. Oh dear. Anyway, uh, you, you can hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicat, damn's in damn. Uh, if you want to talk further. Because <laughs> I'm going to bed. It's gone 5am. Uh, anyway, you can also follow me on Twitch at the implications with two S's. I am planning to stream tomorrow. It'll be UK time though at like 5pm. Uh, UK time. I think that's like 12 Eastern. 
planning to stream uh, Keener Bridge of Spirits because I started that today. I was like, you know what? I absolutely love this game. It's right up my street. <laughs> so let's do that over there. Uh, also, I'll be back on Tuesday to review Monday Night Raw. Uh, and yeah, big title match. Bobbly Lashes versus Big E. When I say big title match, I mean, when I say that, for me, hot shot stuff is where you jump to it way too quickly rather than taking the time to build it or foreshadow anything. It's just like, suddenly this thing is happening. It's not really been foreshadowed. It's not really been set up. It's just, now it's happening. and get It's happening now. Get hyped. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that seems to be the tactic before. Which, to be fair, the bar they were at, I will 100% take this over the era we are just coming out of. Like, no question. <laughs> no question whatsoever. Uh, it's just obviously they'll start to run out of things and it may eventually start to feel a bit desperate. Whilst now, personally, not going to complain too much. It's the, There's evidence of effort where previously it was just a bit naff. Uh, so, we'll see. But yes, Extreme Rules. What do you make of it? I'm coming to end a bit too quickly, actually. Yes, plug the wrestling headline stuff. Uh, that's uh, over on Twitter at Russell Headlines. That's Russell without an E. Uh, that's over on Twitter and on Facebook at Wrestling Headlines 2. Obviously, the website itself, WrestlingHeadlines.com, for the latest wrestling headlines news. But what did you make of Extreme Rules? Were you like me, just laughing at the ending, or were you perfectly fine with it? Uh, did it did not take too much out of you? What did you make of the whole music play? There's so much to that ending. <laughs> it generates so many... Uh, opinions on like each individual bit <laughs> it's just it's like three or four things one after the other where it's like you have to do it like a rain check like whoa 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 <laughs> just, let's just hold on a second before you move on to the like you play the clip for like one more second and you have to stop it again and it's like okay <laughs> the next bit mental ending I can, cause I can moan about the finishes of the other one but this was just a bombardment <laughs> a bombardment of bollocks uh, again that's my quote that's my quote End review from Extreme Rules. A bombardment of bollocks. Uh, anyway, I, I'll be back on Tuesday for the more review, so you'll see me again shortly with these tired British eyes. And with that, I say thank you for watching, engaging in any form, any manner. Always, uh, never taken for granted. Always appreciated. Uh, yeah, feel free to hit in the comments, hit me up on Twitter or whatever. Uh, always love to talk about the Vaseline. So with that, I say thank you and I bid you adieu. Adios.